You can remain standing for just a moment. I'm going to uh, take just a second to introduce our guest speaker tonight. I could spend a lot of time uh, talking about my uh, respect for the way God is using him across this country. I don't want to take very much of his time, but tonight we're honored to have Pastor Chris Durso. He has pastored a movement in New York City for uh, many, many years. He's traveling the nation, traveling the world, being used of God in a fabulous way. Can we give tonight, Faith Assembly, can we give Pastor Chris Durso a Faith Assembly welcome as he comes to share God's word. Faith Assembly, that was more than good for me. But if you are grateful for the King of Kings, and you know that there is no other God but Jesus, if we're gonna stand, let's stand for a reason. Can we take about 30 seconds? All the appreciative people, all of the I know I should not be here today people, but by the grace of God, I'm here. I, I couldn't do it without him. Oh, but the blood of the lamb. I, I met Jesus and I am changed forever. And I will spend the rest of my days. I will spend the rest of my days. I will spend my Mondays, my Tuesdays, my Wednesdays, my Sunday nights worshiping the Lord. Come on, Faith Assembly. Lift up your hands, open up your mouths, and give your best ovation to your risen King, Jesus. We praise you, God. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Remain standing for a second. Now, if you've ever been around church for a good amount of time, you could probably suspect what's going to come next. They honored him, so he's going to honor the pastors. It's going to be a little honor party. And if you suspected that, you're absolutely right. Because, God forbid you bring in a pastor that could not honor your pastors. In a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to shout. Not to make much of your pastors, although we celebrate them. But to make much of God. And to give you the opportunity to receive the breakthrough that you came for. I have been preaching to your youth and young adults for quite some time. I love Pastor Johnny and Jamie. I've gotten to know them over the years and I'm always honored every time I get to be here. This is my first time being able to be in the same room with Pastors Carl and Alice and I am so honored to be here. Although it's my first time meeting you, I've, I've learned about you and I've known about you from, from the anointing that this church carries. And, Here's what I know. You don't just get this because you open up a building. God has decided to move here and he's using you both so greatly. Theology teaches us 
that when you make much of a man or a woman of God, what you're saying is, God, I agree with your choice. And when you come in agreement with the choice of God, he extracts his glory over that. So I don't know when's the last time you celebrated your pastors the way you're about to. But can I give you the opportunity right now to come in agreement with the very obvious choice that God has made in your senior pastors? Can we take a second and celebrate their lives and their ministry and how they have served, how they have loved, how they have sacrificed? Come on, Faith Assembly, show them how much you love. Them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the choice. Thank you. This city, this city knows Jesus in a greater way because of your sacrifice. Thank you. And for the one that didn't clap, let me help you. The Bible says that when Jesus was in his own hometown, because of the lack of faith and the lack of honor, he couldn't perform miracles. And I think to myself, how silly. They were in the house with Jesus. And they missed out on a miracle because they refused to honor. You don't get it. The honor is not only good for God. It's appreciated by your pastors. But can I tell you that the honor is good for you? Let's take another opportunity and honor your senior pastors right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I want to honor one more young person. This week is kind of my last hoorah traveling before I become a senior pastor in January. Um, I'll tell you more about it in a second. This wasn't about that. I'm sorry. This past week, I was, I was in... Atlanta at an event called Catalyst Conference. Wednesday, I was in Chicago. Friday, I was home. Saturday, I was preaching in San Antonio. This morning, I was preaching in San Antonio, and now I'm here. On Thursday, I received a text from Pastor Johnny talking with me about being here with you. What I didn't realize is that his daughter would be leading worship that night at an event that is not charismatic, non-denominational, AKA Pentecostal. And what they were trying to do was get what you've been experiencing for the past hour or so. So they, they start advertising it's gonna be a night of worship. And they got one worship group leading worship. And then they brought in Southeastern University to lead worship. They asked me to preach that night. They were advertising as it's going to be a worship experience. Sydney, you led worship. Where'd you go? There you are. I don't hide. You led worship. And you were operating in such an anointing that what you may or may not know is that that room of people had never experienced what they felt that night. I know this because they told me that afterwards. There was a man that said, I've worked at this church since 1994 and never have I experienced the presence of God the way that we did tonight. And I was so honored to be able to partner with you because 
over the past few years, I've seen you grow up. And to see you operate in the anointing that you're operating in is amazing. Please keep going. Please keep leading. Please keep stewarding that gift. The world, the church at large, is going to be encouraged by you on a global platform. So encouraged by your life. Go on ahead and grab a seat. Unless you don't like who you're sitting next to, then now's the only time you have to change. <laughs> I know we've already shared this, and thank you, Pastor Johnny, for that intro. Uh, my name is Chris Derso. I come from New York City. You know, don't get me started, Orlando, because every time I say New York here, there's a whole lot of ex-New Yorkers. I get jealous. I want to be with you all. My parents started our church, Christ Tabernacle, 34 years ago, and I've been serving them for the past 34 years. For 12 years, I oversaw their youth and their young adult ministry through a ministry called Misfit NYC. And four years ago, my parents asked my wife and I, Jairus and I, to step out to start transition. Well, come January of 2020, we will become the new senior pastors of our church. I only mention that, though, to say that if you ever remember me after tonight, would you pray for me? That's both funny and serious at the same time. It's, it's funny because you're like, you're in for it. It's serious because I know I'm in for it. So pray for me, please. But man, can I tell you how excited I am to preach the word of God to you tonight? Anybody bring a Bible with them? Anyone bring a Bible? We, we got Bibles. I want you to open up with me to the book of John, the book of John, the 11th chapter. And we're going to start reading at the 20th verse. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. We got it on the electric Bible behind us. John chapter 11, verse 20. This is a pretty famous story in the Bible. This is the story of the resurrection of a man named Lazarus. And it says this, starting at verse 20, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Let me pause for a second and just preface what's happening here in this scene. Jesus was a few miles away. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one that you love, Lazarus, is sick. And they knew that because of the relationship they had with Jesus, that they could depend on him for healing. The Bible says that Jesus sent word back and said the sickness will not end in death. But then there's this peculiar passage that follows and reads, but he stayed where he was a few more days. Before he comes to the town, Lazarus dies. And it would seem that Jesus lied to Mary and Martha. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Can you imagine getting hit with one of the seven I am statements of Jesus? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, Martha? I want to point out that Jesus never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. So when he's asking her the question, it's not for him. It's for her. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled where have you put him Jesus asked them they told him Lord come and see and this next verse you know this verse because at one point in your life you were told to memorize a verse and you picked this one <laughs> then Jesus wept the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry. That's a very important note right there. Jesus was still angry. As he arrived at the tomb, a cave with the stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. But Martha, the same Martha, do you believe this Martha? Yes, Lord, I believe. That same Martha, she protested with Jesus and said, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. She's about to experience a revival. but simultaneously is missing out on what's about to happen because she thought she knew better. Jesus responds, didn't I tell you? You would see God's glory if you believe. Other translations say it this way. Did I not tell you if you believe, you will see the glory of God? That's my whole sermon right there. If you want to know my three points, that's it right there. Did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. 
very quickly skip on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. It says this, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God, lowercase g, of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Verse 5, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So that we could know the glory of God that is, what's that word? Seen. This is quite the blues clue. So we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I want to take the next few moments and I want to preach to you from this idea. Show me the glory. If you're taking notes, write that down. Show me the glory. If you're not taking notes, take notes. Show me the glory. Pray with me one more time. Father God, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. Thank you for not only dying for us, but dying as us. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Do only what you could do. Allow each and every one of us to leave this place more on fire and filled with you in the precious and matchless name of Jesus. If you agree with that, can you shout amen? Amen. 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 I shared with you that I come from New York. What I love about our city is that although I believe our church is one of the greatest churches in the world, there are several great churches in our city. There are a plethora of great churches. There's this one church located in this one part of New York that non-New Yorkers think is New York. Times Square. <laughs> Times Square Church was founded by a brilliant man of God by the name of Pastor David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson was a mighty man of God who preached the word of God unapologetically. I was reading one of his sermons the other day and I, I felt the need to share an excerpt from his sermon, The Effects of Seeing the Glory of God, on which he preached on June 21st of 1999 with you. He wrote this, scripture makes clear that it's possible for every true follower of Jesus to see and understand the glory of God. Indeed, our Lord reveals his glory to all who ask and seek for it diligently. Moreover, I believe the revelation of God's glory will equip his people for the perilous days ahead. Paul states that this revelation is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified as noted in the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 32. As I found myself reading this sermon, I found this part leaping out at me. Because if there was ever a bit of information that we needed to hold on to as a church, it's this. Because the fact of the matter is, the Bible warns us and says to us that this world is only going to grow in evil. The days are only going to get darker. What was once considered right will be considered wrong. What was once considered wrong will be considered right. And the only way to make it through 
as a believer, strong in your faith, is by keeping your eyes set on the glory of God. I state that because many of you are in this room and you have been struggling to see. The days are getting darker. The world is getting harder. But if we were to zone in on your world, you would say the same. It's getting difficult. It's getting rough. The marriage isn't as easy as it was. The parenting isn't as easy as I thought it would be. College isn't going so well. The bills are piling high. The business is not going as I suspected it would go. You find yourself completely overwhelmed, and it seems that dark is overtaken. Although darkness represents opposition, because of the gospel, it really is opportunity. That when darkness arrives, it is our opportunity as born again, Holy Spirit filled believers to allow the light of Jesus Christ to shine and not allow the situation to get in us, but to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us so that no matter how difficult things get, no matter how hard circumstances become, no matter the report that the doctor gives you, no matter the text message that the spouse sends you, regardless of what you are dealing with, the goal is to stay fixated on Jesus. As I was praying the other day, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that the reason why things and times are getting darker are not necessarily, hear me, because there haven't been enough people to turn on the light, although that's true. The reason why it's getting darker is because there were so many people who once had the light on, but it now have turned it off. They were once set ablaze. They were once excited to worship Jesus. They were once filled with that fire that you could not keep them from worshiping. You could not keep them from praising. They would cancel plans quick. They would wake up in the middle of the night just to spend time with their Jesus. Is there anybody in the room that, that remembers those days and those moments? But something happened in your world and as a result, you have felt completely overwhelmed by your situation and as a result, you have started to believe in your situation over than the God that has called you, saved you, and has already spoken to you. If we're gonna talk about an awakening, we're gonna talk about waking up from a sleep and getting back to the place where we need to be. Because if there's anyone that this word is for, and I know that the goal of the week is to assign us and equip us to go out there and see Orlando saved for Jesus, amen? In order to go out, we have to check within. And we have to start there and figure out what's happening here. Because please believe that although it is awesome that you are in church on a Sunday night, you are not fooling anyone to believe that just because you're in the building that you're actually in the right space. 
that just because you're in the room that your faith is where your faith needs to be, that just because you are in the building does not mean that all your attention and all your love is fixated on Jesus. I'm certain because it takes one to know one. I've been there before. I know what it's like to go to church day after day after day. And sometimes you don't feel it like you used to. Sometimes you have to struggle to worship. You have to struggle to praise. I've been there before. Can we be honest? See, I don't want to just do church. I want to be the church. There are people in the room, you've been struggling, you've been fighting, you're, you're here because your spouse asked you to be here, you're here because your plans fell through, you're, you're here because you always come and that's what you do and you didn't want anyone to send you a text message, but literally you're here and you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling frustrated and mainly because you thought that God spoke to you, but your current reality does not seem to match what it is that he said and as a result you find yourself doubting, you find yourself pouting, you find yourself overwhelmed, but can I just just encourage you for a second that we do not serve a God that lies. We do not serve a God that just talks to talk. In fact, when our God talks, earth comes out of his mouth. Orbits come out of his mouth. He tells sun go there, moon go there, stars be here. When he talks, he means it. The word of God says that there is never a word that returns void. We do not serve some charismatic man that just speaks to speak. When God speaks, he means it. Is there anybody in the room that says that is the God that I serve? He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't leave me nor forsake me. You're talking about my Jesus. If anybody would say, that's the Jesus I know, give him a shout. So then let me encourage the one that finds themselves failing in their faith because you're overwhelmed by your situation because at some point, at some retreat, at some conference, at some Sunday morning, at some revival service, at some morning when you were in your prayer closet, when somebody sent you a text message, you received a word, but your current reality doesn't seem to match it and now you find yourself frustrated. But can I tell you what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you? He he wanted me to say to you what Jesus said to them did I not tell you did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God did I not tell you in other words what did you and God already talk about what was the conversation you already had? What did God say to you that morning in that conference? What did God say about the marriage? What did God say about the ministry? What did God say about the finances? What did God say about the child? What did God say about the car? What did God say about the sickness? I know what the doctor said, but what did God Did I not tell you? Didn't me and you already have this conversation? Didn't I say I will never leave you nor forsake you? Didn't I tell you that the marriage will flourish? That the child will serve the Lord? That the finances will be there? That that business that you sold everything to start, I was going to use it to fund the kingdom? Didn't I tell you? Some of you came in here for a new word and God's saying, why would I give you a new word when you didn't steward the last word properly? Didn't we talk about this already? Didn't I already say what it is that I had for you? So then why is it you let it go? What 
happened in your life that you thought it was okay to believe in your situation more than you believed in God? What's going on in your world that you gave an attention towards that thing and you thought it was more powerful to me? Did you forget who I am? I am the resurrection and the life. When things rise up, it's because I told it to rise up. When things exist, it's because I allowed it to exist. If something died, it's only because I allowed it. But here's what I said to you. I said the sickness will not end in death. I never said that death wouldn't be a part of the process. Friends, we cannot pray for revival and expect for everything to stay alive. Did I not tell you, did I not, did I not tell you, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Why is it that it is easier to listen to our fears than listen to our God? Why is it easier to listen to Satan and the enemy and what he says over what God says. I don't understand it. What has Satan ever created by talking? He's only manipulated what already exists. But he's not a, he's not a creator, he's a repeater. God, when he talks, he means it. When he says things, things happen. I've, have we ever read in the word that anytime he said something, it didn't come to pass? Has there ever been a time that he spoke and it stopped and it didn't happen? Did, did anyone ever get that story? Or do we serve the God that never fails? Do we, do we serve the God that always wins? Do, do we serve the God that when he thought, talks, things? See, the fact of the matter is, although the story is about Lazarus's resurrection, it's all about Mary and, and Martha's faith, healing. Did I not tell you that if you believe, that's a big if, if you believe, it's all hinged on the if. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe, if you believe. What are you allowing in your life to curve your belief? What are you listening to? What conversations are you having? Well, what, what's your form of entertainment? What are you allowing in your world? What have you allowed in your marriage? Well, who have you allowed into your life to speak over you that shouldn't have that authority over you? What have you allowed to happen in your world that has caused your faith to shift if you believe? It's amazing to me that Mary, the same Mary that used to sit at the feet of Jesus, when she finds out that Jesus shows up, she hangs back with the mourners. She says, I prefer to be with the mourners than the Messiah. I'd rather hang out with expert criers than get to Jesus. Because Jesus gave me a word and it did not play out the way that I thought it would play out. So now I'm going to show him that when he doesn't show up for me, I'm not going to show up for him. I'm trying to help you right now because there's a Mary in the room and I want to talk to her. I want to talk to Mary real quick. I want to talk to the Mary that has allowed your emotions to override your theology. And as a result, you have been hanging back and you are hanging out with the wrong people. And I know you're doing this because misery loves company and you're hanging out with people that are 
convincing you that the way that you believe is right and you're gossiping on God. And when other people come with their story of faith and encouragement, you don't receive it the same way because you got your own story where you believe that God let you down, but God did not let you down. It just didn't happen the way you thought it would happen. See, you thought it was over, but you gave up on the wrong day. We don't serve a day one God. We don't serve a day two God. We serve a day four God. He says, I show up when you thought I couldn't, when you thought it was all over. This is the beauty of this story. Because if you say you want revival and you want God to show up in your city, you're going to have to be okay with becoming a prop. Mary's frustrated because she wanted Jesus to do her a favor and heal Lazarus. But Jesus doesn't do favors. He is. He was healing Lazarus, not because it was good for Mary, although it was good for Mary, but because it was good for Mary, it was good for Martha, and it was good for some mourners and an entire community. You want to see a community saved? Well, you're going to have to become an illustration for the community. You're going to have to be okay with God doing the way that he wants to do it. He says, this is for my glory and for your sake. It's best that I waited four days because when I show up, you will now believe. You will now believe. I, I love this because I've always wondered why he said this to the disciples on their way to Mary and Martha. I was just reading this on the plane. I've never preached this before, but I was, I was on the plane and I was going over this verse and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, why would Jesus say to the disciples, hey, we're going to go and we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna go to Lazarus he's asleep and they're like well Lord if, if he's sleeping he'll wake up like they don't get it they don't they don't get that God's poetic and that he's using imagery they, they just completely miss it and Jesus has to get so frustrated and he's like look he's dead okay he's dead and now he's gone but we're gonna go there and we're gonna wake him up we're gonna resurrect him why would Jesus need to do this see see I, I, I thought I never thought really why this would happen. I felt like it was a rabbit trail in the story, but then I realized that Jesus wanted to roll into this community with a crew of people that had the faith enough to believe that Lazarus would resurrect. Because here's what we know. Mary and Martha did believe, but now they believe that Jesus lied to him. And because they believe that Jesus lied to him, their faith is gone. This is why when they approach him and run to see him, they say, Lord, if you were here, like they're from Queens or Brooklyn, Lord, if you were here, my my brother would not have died. They're giving him attitude, right? Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. They, they have no faith. The mourners have no faith. The community has no faith. We know this because the community says if he, if he healed a blind person, surely he could have healed Lazarus. No one is saying, ha ha, watch. No one's saying that. No one's saying Jesus is here. It's about to go down. No one's saying that. There's no faith. So Jesus, Jesus goes to the disciples like, look, we're about to roll up on this town and I'm doing this so now you'll believe. Go back and read it. He says, now you'll believe. Why? He needed their faith to kick in right now because the Bible tells us there are times that without faith, you can't please God. He needs just a little bit of faith. In fact, he says, if you give me a mustard seed side faith, that's enough for me to work with. So he takes his disciples because they're about to roll up in this community. And he says, I need you to have faith because without faith, I can't even do any miracles. I, I can't perform anything, but I need a little bit of faith. Here's what I'm 
I'm trying to say to you, if we're going to go out into that community and we're going to see revival, I need at least three people. Is there about four people? Five, five, five people right now. Is there about seven people? Anybody with just a little bit of faith to believe that we serve the God that can raise the dead? Is there anybody in here that believes that revival can come to this city and it can impact the world? If there's just maybe two or three people, maybe a little bit more than that, if you have enough faith to believe that, take about 30 seconds, lift up your hands, open up your mouths, and give your Jesus your best shout. One, two, three, go. We worship you, God. All of you people shouting, Jesus wants to roll with you. He, he wants to go with you. Because when you show up in a whole lot of dead communities and a whole lot of dead situation, it's your faith that's going to partner with his power that as a result, that Lazarus that has been dead is about to come alive. Did I not tell you that if you believe, Mary believes so much more in her reality, that she lost faith in her God. I don't know who I'm talking to, but things have been going the way they've been going for some time now, so as a result, you stop believing that he's actually gonna do it for you, that the healing is actually gonna happen, that the miracle is actually going to happen. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I'm no theologian. But I would insert a thought here. Why would Jesus weep in anger? The Bible says he was so angry. It says it twice. You could say it's empathy, and I'm sure there was empathy there. But it has to be so frustrating. People that you're in a relationship, they know you, and they're treating you like they don't. The Corinthians verse says that the glory of God sits in the face of Jesus. But it is veiled to those who don't believe. Which means you could look in the face of Jesus and miss the glory because you got something in your eye. It is veiled to those that don't believe. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, I believe it. But I don't believe she believed it because she was talking to Jesus. She's having a one-on-one -on -one face with Jesus. How could she be looking into the eternal source of glory and not be thrown back completely in awe and wonder of how great and majestic this God is? There had to be something Did I not tell you that if you believe the glory of God, it sits in the face of Jesus. But those that are veiled with disbelief miss it. This is the only way that you could be talking to Jesus and not be in complete awe of how beautiful and incredible he is. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to look at Jesus. 
But I've been in rooms. I've had moments where the glory of God fell and all we did is weep. All we did was worship. All we did was praise. Like just a few moments ago, that feeling that we sensed in the room, the, the Holy Spirit, how he was moving, we were sensing the glory of God and it almost would seem impossible. It would seem impossible to allow my tiredness to stop me from worshiping because in that moment, the tiredness doesn't matter. The jet lag doesn't matter. But the frustrations, the concerns, what's going on at home, it doesn't matter. Anyone identify? Unless there's something in your eye. Did I not tell you that if you believe, here's the promise, you will see the glory of God. So the inverse of that is you won't if you don't believe. He said the sickness will not end in death. Mary and Martha are so frustrated because it would seem as Jesus lied to them. And as a result of Lazarus dying and them believing that he was dead for good, they now believe that Jesus failed them. And as a result of believing that Jesus failed them, their mind, their heart, their spirit is full of what? It's full of anger. It's full of bitterness. It's full of frustration. Why would you tell me you're going to do this and not do this? So now all they're seeing is everything through the lens of their frustrations, through the lens of their disappointment, through the lens of them believing that this God that they were in relationship has actually lied to them. But the issue is, is that they are completely missing and they're completely they're completely subtracting from the situation that God does what God does and he will do all things and he will work it all out for his glory a simple death is not too hard for him this is the same God that would die and then three days later resurrect himself what's a resurrection difficult for him he's God You want a healing on day one? Well, that's nice. Here's the issue with the healing on day one. Doctors heal. I don't want to be categorized with the doctor. I want them to know that I'm different. I want them to know that when you talk about me, the way that you talk about me, they are going to know that I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. That I am the one that they've been searching for. So I know, Mary, you want your healing on day one, but what's better, a healing on day one or a resurrection on day four? I know it's not going the way that you want it to go, but if he gave you a word, you could stand on that word. And as opposed to doubting, as opposed to being frustrated, as opposed to gossiping on God, you know what's the best thing for you to do on day one? Worship. You know what's the best thing for you to do on day two? Worship. You know what's the best thing for you to do on day three? Worship. You know what's the best thing to do after the miracle? Worship. You know what's really good before the miracle? Worship. Because it says, I know who you are. I know in whom I serve you are not a man that you should lie so if you said it was going to happen then I know it is going to happen so I will worship you I will surrender to you I won't allow that doubt to get in the way I won't allow that gossip to get in the way I will worship you because you are my God if you believe that take the next two minutes and give your God your best shout in this place
the promise stands you will see the glory of God can I get a shout on that you will see the glory of God it's about to shift you will see the glory of God there will be growth you will see the glory of God guess what the finances are coming you will see the glory of God the healing is coming you will see the glory of God the child will be saved and will preach around the world you will see the glory of God spouses he will be saved she will be saved you will see the glory of God give him a shout it's coming it's it's coming it's coming it's coming it's it's coming. I know you're tired of being here, but it's coming. My heart breaks for you. I'm sad that you're dealing with this, but it's coming. It's, the healing is coming. The breakthrough is coming, and, and it's, it's easy to doubt, and I don't minimize your emotions, but can I encourage you that worship before the breakthrough is actually the breakthrough? because God is looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth a spirit that says you're still alive you're still on the throne you're seated at the right hand side of the father the earth is your footstool no one will ever remove you or replace you so I worship you in spirit spirit to spirit and in truth the truth is my situation is tough but my God is greater he is looking in Orlando right now his spirit is hovering and he's stopping over faith assembly and he's saying are there any of my worshipers in the room today are there any of my praisers in the room if you're a worshiper in the room and you don't mind worshiping on day one you don't mind worshiping on day two you don't mind worshiping on day three stand to your feet lift up your hands and worship like you've never worshiped We praise your holy name, Jesus. We praise your holy name. We praise your holy name. Worship team, come join me. We praise your holy name. Don't stop the praise. Keep worshiping. Keep worshiping. Keep worshiping. Hallelujah. 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 We praise your holy name. We praise your holy name. You, you are a good, good father. We praise your holy name. You reign supreme. We praise your holy name. You are not a man that you should lie. We praise your holy name. In fact, God, I repent right now for allowing, allowing my situation to get the best of me. You deserve all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Let me make up for all the times that I should have worshipped, but I complained. We worship you in this Did I not tell you? I know what your emotions say. What did God say? I know what your feelings say. What did God say? I know what your accuser says. What did God say? 
And can I remind you that you are a child of God created in the image of an all-conquering, all-knowing, all-powerful God? Can I give you some advice? Stop talking to the enemy. Stop treating him like he deserves your respect or your attention. Stop treating him like he is some type of authority in your life. The Bible says we trample over serpents. So here's the advice. Stop having face-to-face conversations with the enemy and start having foot-to-face conversations with the enemy. Let's get your joy back. Let's get your peace back. You want your breakthrough. God's saying the breakthrough is coming. I want people that worship me before the breakthrough. He says it's for my glory, not yours. It's your story for his glory. I'm going to do what I do through your story. There's going to be a sickness. There's going to be pain. There's going to be deficit, but it's not going to end there. I'm going to turn this whole thing around. If Jesus would have healed Lazarus, Mary and Martha would have been happy. But now he got himself an audience. And when he shows up, the whole town, the mourners, the atheists, the lawmakers, they're all there. Jesus rose up in front of the cave and everyone's looking at him like, what are you doing? And those that should have believed didn't. It would have been good for Mary and Martha had he healed Lazarus. But you know who Jesus is thinking about? The whole town. He's thinking about the people that have yet to know him. He's thinking about the ones that haven't even realized that Jesus is Lord. He's he's thinking about the ones that have been church hurt. He's thinking about the ones that have no real understanding of who Jesus is. He's thinking about all that because now what's going to happen? Their intrigue is now going to lean in and now they're going to realize, I don't know much about Jesus, but I know he has to be the way, the truth, and the life because I've never seen anybody resurrect somebody before. So I have to follow this Jesus. See, here's what you got to get about your story. People are watching your story. They're reading your story. But can I tell you what you're dealing with? It's not the book. It's just the chapter. There's another chapter coming. It's called the glory of God. And when the glory hits, people are going to say, oh my goodness, you got healed. Your marriage got restored. That addiction was broken. That business flourished. Those finances came in. Show me this Jesus. Bring me to this God. And now all of a sudden, they're going to want what you have because of what he did in us. Remain standing, remain standing. I'm going to give you a second to run to this altar. In a second. I'm going to give you a chance in a second. About eight years ago, my son Dylan got very sick. Saturday night, fell asleep with him in my arms only to wake up to the sound of my wife Jairus hysterical crying and when I woke up to her sound of tears I realized why she was crying I looked at Dylan and in this moment Dylan looked like he had been run over by a truck he had bruises all over his body all over his face he was bleeding from the mouth seconds ago he was fine but now all of a sudden he's in this state we bring him to the hospital they start, to, they start to run tests on him. They let us know very quickly that Dylan has a rare blood disease called ITP. 
What it means is that his blood platelets are significantly low. See, a healthy human being has a blood platelet count of 250,000 to 350,000. In this moment, Dylan's blood platelets were at 18,000. So we're going to treat him. We're going to keep him overnight. We'll see where he's at in the morning. Morning comes. He's now at 14,000. We're going to treat him. We'll keep him overnight. Next day, they're at 8,000. Later on that night, drops to 3,000. Anything lower than 3,000 is leukemia. Now they're talking about a possible spinal tap and removing his spleen. I was so angry. I was so angry because I grew up in a pastor's home. And I always say, God, I don't want to be a pastor. When I was seven years old, the pastor by the name of Jim Simpler prophesied over me that I would be a pastor. And the moment he said it, I knew he was right and I spent the rest of my life trying to sabotage him. I grew up in a pastor's home with two very life-giving pastors that would give their finances, their time, everything they had to serve the people. And I would say, God, I can't do that. I want a normal life. <laughs> I'm in the hallway and I start talking to God and I say, God, see, this is it. The enemy doesn't play fair. It's not fair. Not my boy, not my son. Simultaneously, I'm trying to call into my church who had a prayer line going so I could thank them. As that's happening, one of my best friends by the name of Chad is calling me. I'm trying to back button him. It's not working. I pick up the phone and I'll tell, I want to tell him that I'll call him back. He's a quicker talker than I am. He said, Chris, I'm here with a pastor. His name is Jude. He wants to talk to you. Pastor Jude gets on the phone. He said, Chris, I want you to know that I was with the pastor a few weeks ago and his son had the same issue. I prayed over his son and his son was healed by the very next morning. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray over Dylan and he will be healed by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. We went to sleep. We prayed. We went to sleep. Woke up to the sound of the doctors saying his blood platelets went up overnight and we can't even find a trace of the disease. He's fine. He's completely healed. To this day, they cannot find the blood disease. Can you put the picture up of Dylan? This is on day two. If you had the picture in your hand, you'd be able to see the, the red marks on his face, on his cheeks, on his hand. You know what bothers me about this picture? Is that before he was born, when he was in Jairus' womb, God spoke to me about Dylan. God told me that he would travel the world to preach the gospel. I always say, God, I'm going to give you my children, but whatever they end up doing, they'll do. I'm not going to make them a pastor because I'm a pastor. I don't want to put that pressure on them. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly about both of my children. And what he said to me about Dylan is that he was going to use him in a mighty way. So you know what frustrates me? Is how come I didn't remember that when he was here? Why didn't I? Why didn't I just start rejoicing? Why didn't I just start praising? I know it seemed bad, but I already had a word. And, and in reality, this can end the way that doctors are saying it's going to end. Because how could he grow up to preach the gospel if, if, if I believe in what they say? I'm trying to tell you today, in whose report will you believe? 
Will you repeat in the, will you believe in the report of the Lord or the report of your emotions, the report of the enemy, the report of the doubt? Can I get you faith assembly to turn up the faith in this assembly? Can we go from zero to 100? Can you lift up your hands? Can you open up your mouths? And for the next few moments, I dare you to worship him like you've never worshiped before. If you need to step out of your seat, run to this altar, do whatever you gotta do but we're going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and I want you to go, go, go one, two, three, go I'm going to pray. But before we pray, how about we praise? Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Open up your mouths. And come on, give them your best worship in this place. Come on, team. I praise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemies And I'll raise a hallelujah presence 
with our hands lifted high, with our faith raised. And first and foremost, God, we repent forever doubting you, forever turning our backs on you, forever giving up on you, forever being stubborn or selfish. But God, we stand in this place and we know who you are. We know you are King. We know that you are Lord. We know that you are not a man that you should lie. We know that the miracle is coming in the name of Jesus. We know that the breakthrough is coming in the name of Jesus. We know that revival is coming in the name of Jesus. So we posture ourselves. We plant ourselves in your house. And we say that from this day forward, for me and my household, for me and my emotions, for me and my spirit, for me and my mind, we will serve the Lord. Faith Assembly, if you're in agreement with that, lift your hands, open up your mouths, and release your best shout in the name of Jesus. One, two, three, go. ask you just to close your eyes all over this room. I just sense that faith is being turned up, that faith is being resurrected in so many lives, in so many situations, in so many circumstances. Faith is resurrecting. And I feel like that's also happening in, in someone's heart, in someone's life, in, in someone's own personal commitment, relationship with Christ. I sense there's people in this room and, and your belief in God, your relationship with God had just died. Life had done it to you. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to God. 
I just sense that there's a spark. There's something happening right now in your spirit and in your heart. And we want to pray with you right now. So all over this room, let's encourage those that need to pray this prayer. And let's pray with them. Everybody in this room, just say, Jesus, come alive in me. I choose you. I give you my life. I give you my future. I give you everything. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I love you. I worship you. In Jesus' name. Now with, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if just now you prayed that prayer and you meant it, and you were outside a relationship with God and you just recommitted or committed your life to Christ for the first time, if that just happened as we prayed that prayer, would you just wave at me right now? Hold up your hand. If you just prayed that prayer and committed your life to Christ, maybe for the first time, awesome, or recommitment to Christ, awesome, hands up all over this room. Let's celebrate church all over this room. Hands going up. We want to encourage you to shoot a text to this number that's behind me. Uh, shoot a text to that number, put your name and send a text in and it'll just start you on a journey of getting some information on how to grow in your faith. Uh, well, that was a pretty good night one, amen? Dear Lord, I guess, I guess we are up to something. I guess we are in for quite a week and uh, thank you. Can we just give Pastor Chris Durso a, a, a little bit of appreciation for allowing God to use him Wow. Well, of course, these altars are open and you, you're, we're in no hurry for you to have to exit the auditorium. So you feel free to come and linger and spend some time with God. But do not miss tomorrow night. Uh, we're just, it'll be just new levels every single night. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Of course, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. And uh, man, we will see you tomorrow. We love you. Go in God and uh, have a great week.